Friday night and it's foggy out and it's rainy out and things are going crazy all around us all the time. But nonetheless, on this early May evening, another Friday night, your host Larry Kay is with you to discuss and talk about the happenings of the world as crazy as they may be, as volatile as they may seem. Everything I say on this podcast is strictly my personal opinion. Nothing I say in any way reflects the opinion of any other entity. Nothing I say is in my professional capacity in any way. Everything I say to you is just my personal opinion as a private citizen. It does not constitute legal advice or official statements. It's simply me talking to you as a private citizen. But you know we keep it real. I'm sitting here looking out over the Newark, New Jersey skyline. I can't see New York City because it's far too foggy to see anything. I just see the skyway, the Pulaski Skyway, with headlights coming my way and taillights going away from me out into the abyss and out into the fog. And if you've been paying attention to the news, and if you've been paying attention to current events and the society around you, then it might seem like we are all just headed into the abyss. What's our direction? Where are our bearings? Do we have any ground? Where is the ground? Where's the ceiling? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know that I'm going to have the answer to any of those questions for you tonight, but I'm going to take the journey with you. We'll be on the journey. We'll be logical about it. We'll be real about it. I don't know that we have the solution because I'm starting to think more and more that the solution is evasive. Perhaps far too evasive for any generation of mankind to ever ever get a grasp on. My other uh, podcast, a sports podcast, reached 1,000 subscribers today. It was quite a milestone. It's now surpassed 1,000. It's awesome. I promise you I'm trying to get our technological stuff worked out on this podcast to get us to that level. We will get there. But it doesn't even matter whether I have 1,000 people, 5 people, 6 people, 20 people. It doesn't really matter. Our little crew here takes what we learn on the podcast, whether listening live or listening to the recorded versions, and we take it out to the world. And exponentially, we multiply the knowledge and we multiply the debate skills and we multiply the world outlook to make as much of an impact as we can on this world. And that's all that matters. So I hope you're having a good Friday night. I hope you're feeling good. The weekend's upon us. Spring is upon us. We're doing all right, right? So no matter what's going on in the world, us as individuals are doing okay. We can look and say, you know what? We're surviving. We're living. And sometimes that's good enough. Those of you concerned with inflation, because inflation is running rampant. Inflation is out of control right now. Let's be honest. Those of you concerned with inflation, there was big news out of the Fed this week. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said that they will increase the interest rate by 0.5%. The target interest rate is going to be somewhere between 0.75% and 1% going forward. They will continue to raise the interest rate 0.5 in increments going forward. Folks, this is a big deal. The raising of this interest rate constitutes the, the... most significant tightening of the money supply, the most significant tightening of monetary policy that we've seen since the year 2000. 
So in two decades plus, we have not seen a tightening of the money supply this significant. Because inflation is really getting out of control. The paycheck that you have is not worth as much. The gas you're putting into your car, the money for the gas is not getting you as much as it used to. Donald Trump's barometer, both President Obama and President Trump saw, you know, skyrocketing, record-breaking stock market increases. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else is doing well. So the fact that the stock market plunged today on the news of the monetary policy tightening does not necessarily mean that we're going to hurt. I know we all have investments in the stock market here and there in our 401ks and our Robinhood accounts, wherever else we may invest with our financial advisors. But the fact that the stock market went down on that news is no cause for alarm. Hold tight. Don't sell. Relax. It'll rebound. But perhaps our buying power with the dollars we already have in our pockets might be worth more going forward because hopefully they rein in inflation and inflation has been a bad, bad thing for us recently as we come out of this pandemic, which, by the way, numbers are ticking up slightly again. But, hey, if you're vaccinated, if you did what you're supposed to do, don't be worried about it. I'm not worried about it. People are always getting like, with the masks like, oh, you don't have a mask. No, I don't have a mask. All right. I'm OK. Triple vaxxed. I'll live. I mean, we got to, as I always say, we got to move past it. I mean, so we're moving past it. It is what it is. But aside from the Fed, and thanks for liking the show, and anybody else, feel free to conversate, talk, converse, talk amongst yourselves, whatever you want to do in here. Gas went up a dime here overnight. See, it's crazy. It's crazy, too. It's too gas is, gas is, and, and the problem is gas is such a driver of the inflation, so is diesel. That even the Fed raising interest rates, that'll do something to the monetary supply, which we know we flooded the economy with money early during the pandemic, especially. And even with Trump's tax cuts, we flooded the economy with money when we probably should not have. And and apparently Trump also pressured the Fed to keep interest rates low when they knew they should have raised them. So Trump was all about that stock market gauge just like I just talked about. So he didn't want interest rates to go up, even though there were some warning signs during his tenure. And so we, we continued this like willy nilly money supply. And then when the pandemic hit, we flooded the economy with even more money. And now there's other supply and demand, which Neil talked about when he was on the show a couple months ago, supply and demand pressures coming out of the pandemic, lack of investment, supply chain issues coming out of the pandemic. I went to Jersey Mike's the other day, Jersey Mike subs, Jersey Mike subs the other day. I asked for spicy mustard, brown mustard on my sub. The kid at Jersey Mike's told me that there's a mustard shortage and because of supply chain issues, they're not going to get us a new delivery of mustard for several months. So he handled me, handed me some mustard packets. That's where we're at with the supply chain issues. Okay, that's where we're at. But Trump was willy nilly with his monetary supply issues. And so coming out of the pandemic, we flooded the economy with money and there's all these supply chain issues that we already discussed. So it's all culminating in this inflation issue. So the fact that the Fed is increasing interest rates is definitely going to help us. But as Jerome Powell actually said, he's only got one tool in his toolbox. His tool is interest rates. We have gas prices skyrocketing that also involve the conflict in Ukraine and Russia, which, by the way, don't forget about it. Russia is still doubling down, saying that the 
primary focus of their invasion is the eastern Donbass region. And that all their offensives west of that is simply to shore up the, the Donbass region. We know that might be half BS because initially they wanted to topple Ukraine's political structure and they were not successful. So now they're backpedaling. But that war is still raging. And make no mistake, there are still sanctions coming out. There is still the phasing out of Russian imports of oil, both to Western Europe and us. That is going to continue to put upward pressure on gas prices worldwide, which is going to continue to be an inflationary problem. So Powell cautioned us against the fact that, yes, I have one tool in my toolbox. That's to raise interest rates. That will hopefully help to stifle inflation. But it's not going to go all the way in stifling inflation because there's other factors. Nonetheless, folks, let's hope it has some effect on this. And Siren says Florida actually did something good and is proposing a six-month suspension on the gas tax. I agree. When times are tough, if you, you know, take some money off the gas tax, you can help. You know, if everybody were to reduce the gas tax at the same time the Fed is increasing uh, interest rates, you're all that's like a double-barreled attack on inflation because gas is a primary driver of inflation as well. And so, you know, that can help too. But we're trying. Hopefully this has some impact on you. Just remember there's other factors aside from just the Fed increasing interest rates, which affects your uh, inflationary issues with your wallet. But what I want to talk about today, I mean, let's be honest. The primary issue this week that came out that's going on, and this all goes to a centralized theme. I think the centralized theme of the week, which I said when I was looking at the Skyway and everybody was kind of moving into the abyss. There was no end in sight. I can't see New York. I can't see the destination. We are going into the abyss. I think primarily my central message tonight is... We are breaching the social contract, right? There is a social contract which permeates all of us, whether you're walking on the street, in line at a restaurant, on the train to work, a lawyer in court, the law that we uphold. There's a social contract, right? There's an endless kind of basis of progress that we rely upon to understand the way that our society functions and to rely upon certain institutions and people to uphold rights and other things that we've come to depend on generationally, right? And Rick's saying apparently the mustard thing has to do with the drought here here and in Canada, which caused a poor yield of crops. Well, thank you for that. So there's a mustard shortage, and some of it has to do with the poor crop yield which harkens back to trading places for me, but that's actually super interesting and shows, again, everything's complex and nuanced, so you can't just boil down the mustard shortage to the supply chain issues. There's also a crop issue, so that's interesting. Thank you for that. That's really informative. Now, we we all know that, which I'm a big lover of that brown mustard, so now I know. But look, what's the primary issue today, man? What's the primary issue of this week? It's the fact that a Supreme Court document, it was a draft opinion written by Samuel Alito, which, by the way, Sam Alito was a federal prosecutor from New Jersey. His office was right across the street from my apartment. I'm looking out the window at where his office was when he was a federal prosecutor. If you go to TM Ward's Coffee right across the street from my apartment, they actually have a Justice Alito blend of coffee because that's the coffee he used to order every morning when he was working over here on Broad Street in Newark. They leaked 
They leaked a draft opinion from Alito. And when I say they, I, I don't know who it is, right? There's all kinds of speculation. Was it a liberal clerk who wanted to let us know of the impending doom and, and, and get some outrage going? I heard a counter theory that it was a conservative clerk because he wanted to put pressure on any wavering justices to stand their ground, to dig their heels, not to kind of waver on their vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. We don't know who leaked the document. What we do know is that there was a draft opinion released this week leaked to the press by Justice Samuel Alito that seemed to indicate that the Supreme Court of the United States is set to overturn Roe v. Wade, therefore ceasing to protect women's right to an abortion. Now, many states, my state included, have already protected the rights of women to have an abortion in New Jersey, most of the Northeast, most of the Pacific but several other states, especially in the South and in the West, if the Supreme Court were to overturn Roe v. Wade, many, many millions of women in this country would be denied access to an abortion. And I don't know what the decision's going to state, so it could even be, for all we know, it could be as far as any abortion, even if it's in the best interest of the health of the mother. Even if there's other some medical reason to have an abortion, they might outlaw it. Even if it's rape or incest, they may outlaw it. We don't know yet. What we do know is that the draft opinions seem to be overturning Roe v. Wade. What we do know is that apparently, following oral arguments on the case of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which is the pivotal case that we're discussing right now, which is suing to fight a law down south what we do know is that the draft opinion seemed to overturn roe v wade and what we do know is that following oral arguments on that case a straw vote a vote of the justices immediately subsequent to oral arguments went in favor of overturning Roe v. Wade, went against women's right to abortion. Five to four, there was a vote. And right now, it looks like the Supreme Court of the United States is set to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, it's important to note, first and foremost, people like to go out and get all crazy and all that. I'm not saying don't get scared. I'm not saying don't get alarmed. I am saying that it is normal common practice with the Supreme Court that they will take an initial vote and then they will circulate majority opinions, uh, dissenting opinions, concurring opinions, different versions of dissenting opinions. They will circulate opinions amongst themselves and it almost serves as kind of a written intellectual debate on the issue. And so the draft that came out from Alito may not actually be the final decision. It may not be as extreme as he's writing it. In fact, one of the justices may actually change their votes to make the decision less extreme or to actually vote against overturning Roe v. Wade. We don't quite know yet. Nonetheless... It's alarming that such an opinion was circulating, and it's alarming that the Supreme Court at this juncture appears to have voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, CLR funding says, and who did not expect this? Duh. 
And he's right. CLR funding was somebody that as soon as Amy Coney Barrett was nominated to the Supreme Court, CLR funding, I know him very well, was pounding the table saying they're going to overturn abortion. And I know a lot of other people who said, it's settled law. I voted Republican. I voted for Trump. I don't care because they're pro-abortion, pro-choice. But they thought, well, I can vote Republican. I can vote for Trump. I can vote for my taxes. I can vote that way. And they're not going to affect my rights. They're not going to affect the rights of my daughter, my granddaughter, other women. They're not going to affect it. I'll be fine. And CLR was saying, no, 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 no. They are going to overturn it, sir, ma'am. This is a wake-up call to everybody who thought that voting didn't matter, that you could rely upon well-founded rights for decades, like the right to have an abortion, the right to of a woman to, woman to choose. If you vote, voting has consequences. If you put somebody like Trump in office, it has consequences. You can't rely on things. You can't have this willy-nilly present sense bias, present tense bias that everything I know is going to stay. No, no, no. You better pay attention to who you elect because it has consequences. Now, RK says that it's not making it illegal. Yes, it's not making it illegal. It's making it legal to make it illegal. (laughs) It's not making it illegal. It's making it legal to make it illegal. So the states that want to provide for abortion rights can And the states that want to make it illegal can. But the Supreme Court since the 70s had said that states could not make abortion illegal because it was a fundamental right to privacy of a woman between her and her doctor and her own body to make the decision. Now, subsequent decisions and subsequent laws have winnowed that down and said, well, it's okay to put a limit on it once a fetus reaches viability. You can't have an abortion anymore unless it's an emergency. And that makes sense. So, and Siren says the point is not that they will be outlawing abortions in some states. It's that they'll be outlawing legal abortions. What do you mean by that? Um, so, look, it's, it's a big issue. <laughs> I want to say first and foremost on this issue that it's I find it I find it troubling. I find it troubling that there are even I've said this before. I don't understand. I don't understand why there are even anti-abortion people that exist. You dedicate your life to stopping some woman you don't know who's impregnated by some man you don't know with a fetus that's not viable, that's not a human yet, inside a woman's body, and you're so concerned with that life, so you say. You're so obsessed with that woman's body and that woman's pregnancy. Yet when the baby is born, you don't give two craps about it. You don't want to help the woman protect the baby. You don't want to help her support the baby. You want to blame her for being irresponsible for having the baby. But you want to make her have the baby. And it's a great point, but I didn't create it. George Carlin did. And I'll be posting on the Logic and Larry discussion later, George Carlin's brilliant piece about that. 
It's ridiculous. What I also find interesting is that this has been an ongoing war for decades to try to get rid of Roe v. Wade, to try to overturn it. And I want to say something first because I've seen a whole heck of a lot of people out here posting on make vasectomies mandatory. Men shouldn't make rules about women's uteruses. Look, I agree. Men should not be making laws about women's uteruses. I agree. But let's, let's, again, Logic and Larry is all about nuance. Logic and Larry is all about complexity. And Logic and Larry can't stand. Logic and Larry the show. Logic and Larry the community. Larry the man. I can't stand. Winnowing complex issues down to meme logic. And so this meme logic's taking root. People don't even know the mechanism by which Roe might be overturned. They don't even know what Roe v. Wade is. They just start saying men making laws about women. They don't even know. Because, and it sucks that they don't know because then they can't vote to figure out how to fix it. They just want to post memes. The fact is most of the protesters I've ever seen, anti-abortion protesters, are women. Old women a lot of times. I don't know why. I'm not telling you I know the answer. I don't know why. But there's so many women that are anti-abortion. I don't get it. And Amy Coney Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett is the swing vote. Amy Coney Barrett is the swing vote. She's the reason primarily why we might not have abortion anymore in certain states. I think it's religion, religious zealots, this this evangelical wave, this insanity that we're we're seeing with these evangelicals that is causing these problems. And and Rick points out seven of the nine white male justices decided Roe v. Wade, so those were the ones who guaranteed the right. Now Amy Coney Barrett, a woman, and Justice Thomas, an African American male, are going to take the right away. So let's not get it twisted here with who who supports and who doesn't. So it's not. When it comes to gender, yes, it only affects women because it's a women's right and it's a woman's body who's at stake. I agree. But when it comes to who's against and for it, the genders are mixed. There's plenty of men for abortion, the right to choose, and plenty of women against it. It's more of a religious issue, a right versus left issue. I'm just saying that so we can get our ducks in a row and figure out what we're actually even talking about before we get carried away and start going down the wrong path here and not really thinking. No matter what the situation, though, It's troubling to me that for decades there are a group of people who are actively fighting against a woman's right to choose. We've crossed that benchmark. It's over. It's settled. We've moved on as a society, yet they're still hammering and they might even win. And that's troubling to me. You know why that's troubling to me? Because it gets back to where I started, back to the central point of this show tonight. And yes, Amy Coney Barrett was in a Catholic sect which was like extremist for most of her life, as was her husband. And she has very stringent beliefs about abortion and other religious issues which are troubling. Number one is a separation of church and state in this country. That doesn't mean that morality should not guide politics. But you should not be forcing, if you don't believe in abortion personally, then you don't have to have one. But your Religious belief should not in any way, should not in any way impact the, the, the autonomy of another human being to make their own decisions. Especially when you're not the one who's going to be caring for this kid. But 
Here's my central point of the evening, the social contract. The social contract is being violated every which way we look. And this is a prime, profound example. We have a social contract which loosely holds us together based on our institutions and based on the people that we place into these institutions to uphold and continue to do the noble, righteous thing despite their personal beliefs. That's part of the social contract. Supreme Court justices are supposed to take office adhering to stare decisis, adhering to prior decisions of the court so that they're always legitimate, building upon decisions, only overturning decisions when they fly blatantly in the face of other jurisprudence, when they fly blatantly in the face of constitutional jurisprudence and of the evolution of Western law. When you have Supreme Court justices selected, nominated, and seated based on partisan hackery and political garbage and selfish, self-righteous greediness of individually driven, politically motivated ideologues, you completely erode, destroy, and you might as well take an axe and a match and bury the social contract under your feet. We have relied on the woman's right to choose for decades. It is settled law. It is settled law. Yet certain political actors in our country have made it their business over these decades to groom, select, nominate, and appoint judges who want to undermine settled law and thus undermine our collective societal social contract. So what is the most egregious offense if Roe v. Wade is overturned? Yes, we already know that the woman's right to choose is overturned. We already know that. But what about our faith in the Supreme Court itself? What about our faith in the political process to nominate justices? What about our faith in the individuals who are supposed to uphold it? There are supposed to be people in this world and in this country that are able to Uphold the law, do what's right, impartially, despite their personal biases. If we don't have that, then what the hell do we have? And Paige points out the opinion. Actually, to be quite honest, I have not. I want to. I want to read it. And, I, and I, it's probably going to infuriate me, so I've been putting it off. But I do want to read it. And I'm sure it's ridiculous. This is what happens, right? Like people say about lawyers, oh, all lawyers do is manipulate the law. Lawyers manipulate the law, but lawyers find loopholes in the law to do whatever they want to do. And I, I, as a lawyer who does not agree with that, say, no, we operate within the bounds of the law with different case-by-case -case things to try to get to the most righteous place we can. But my argument appears less and less valid if the Supreme Court of the United States is able to just pull some nonsense out of their hats and just create, you know, the desire, achieve the desired end by any nonsense logic they choose rather than letting the analysis get them to whatever end naturally flows from it what i mean is just like i complain about all the time that people should go out and perceive the world and let actual things in the world 
shape their opinions and actual facts and sensory perception shape their opinions rather than trying to bend and shape their sensory perception to fit their ideologies. It's the same thing applies to legal analysis, right? You should let the natural study of the law and jurisprudence and its application to current law shape your conclusions on the bench. You should not try to find some crazy warped way to get to the conclusion you want that's already predetermined. It's insane. And Rick, good point. It's very, very rare. And in fact, when they've overturned cases in the past, like slave cases and, and other issues, they've gone through painstaking analysis, painstaking analysis to get there. It seems as though this decision is just going to be some nonsense. It seems as though this decision is just going to be some nonsense. Whatever way they can, whatever means they can find to an end, they'll get there. And doesn't it go deeper? Doesn't it go deeper than just the justices themselves shaping and warping the law? Because think back to how we even got here. Remember when President Obama was the president of the United States elected for a four-year term and Justice Scalia died at the beginning of his last year? And he was elected for four years, if I recall, not three and a quarter, right? And remember when he nominated Merrick Garland to be the next Supreme Court justice? And remember Mitch McConnell said, well, we want the people to choose? Who chooses the next justice? The people already chose. They picked Obama for four years. He had another year. We wanted him in place for four years. Any judges appointed in that four-year period, we would let him do. We already spoke. But he said, no, we're going to wait a friggin' year to let the next president pick the justice. And then Trump came in, picked Gorsuch, picked Kavanaugh. And then what happened? Now, I long said Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired, but that's, you know, God rest her soul. Stephen Breyer's retiring. I think it's a good decision. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, what, a month before the election? A month? And the same guy who said that the principle was you let the people pick who picks the next justice, even though an election was already in full swing, there was already election season in full swing, he rushed through Amy Coney Barrett. Rushed her through, pushed her through. So not only are the justices full of it, but the political process, the Senate is full of it. It's all a scam. How can we rely on any of it? It's a breach of the social contract. There's no principle. It's all hypocrisy. It's all double talk. It's equivocation. When I don't want this guy to pick the nominee, you got to wait for the voters. When I want this guy to pick the nominee, I shove it down your throat, screw the voters. How are we supposed to have any faith in any of these people in our society at all? Is our society sustainable if we have no faith in the social contract? Is it? What are we supposed to do with this debacle? This debaucherous iteration of a Republican democracy. What are we supposed to do with it? It's trash.
And if you remember, I did a similar rant to this when I talked about the nominations. It, sound, it sounds like I'm getting deja vu because I stick to my guns. You guys stick to your guns. We care about the society. We care about what's right. We care about it. Seems like these people play it for a petty, selfish, individualized, greedy game. Now, Justice Roberts, he was a swing vote. Even though he was nominated by a Republican president, he upheld Obamacare. I love a lot of his written opinions. He calls balls and strikes. Kennedy, when he was appointed, he's the one who wrote the opinion on gay marriage being legal. They stuck to their principles despite the partisanship. But it seems like the more we go forward in this country, the more we go backward. Meaning more and more I see less righteous people on either side of the aisle. And more and more I see more partisan hacks, more concerned with their own election, their own podcast, their own fundraising, their own celebrity, their own personal fiefdoms than with principle and doing what's right. And the more we gerrymander these people into safe districts, the less chance we have at salvation. I promise you that. I promise you that. Making the court this politicized and in, 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 in both its construction and the way it handles cases is a joke. And when they and if they overturn Roe v. Wade, all these people out here who sit around in la-la land, skipping the loo, acting like everything's all good. They can just vote whoever the hell they want because their life's not affected. You want to go vote for Donald Trump? Unqualified, blatantly xenophobic, blatantly incompetent blatantly unintelligent, blatantly uninterested in actually governing. You think it's a joke because it's a joke to you because he's funny at his pressers, at his rallies. You think it's fun? Well, if you believe in the women's right to choose, you just got slapped in the face by reality. This ain't a game. This ain't a game. You don't know what's going on? Then don't vote. Otherwise, get your get get straight. Speaking of Trump, how about Mitch McConnell? The same guy who lied about the the you know flip flopped on the Supreme Court justice nomination process. This guy, Mitch McConnell. How about this guy, Mitch McConnell? Voting not to impeach Trump because of some cockamamie nonsense about. You can't impeach a non-sitting president or whatever the hell crap that was. Then going on a tirade on the Senate floor about how terrible Trump was. January 6th was an abomination. He was a disgrace. All that. All these. How about all these other politicians that followed McConnell? Not Collins, not Romney, the only people with some balls. I say that figuratively, obviously. But all those people... They don't have the, 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 the soul. They don't have the grit. They don't have the honor, the integrity to go after Trump formally and impeach him. But they have plenty of nonsense hot air to blow after they vote against impeachment to say how bad he is. Well, guess what? He's coming back. Trump's coming in 2024. You know why? Because nobody in our government has the friggin' righteousness or integrity to do what's right. That's why. The latest news out of Georgia, it makes no sense. Georgia, where Trump is on tape, Trump is on tape in Georgia, on tape in Georgia, 
threatening the Georgia Secretary of State, demanding that he find 11,780 votes, demanding that he find it, even though it doesn't exist, on tape in an anti-Trump district with friendly juries and the DA down there, look, doing her job, unlike some other DAs I'll get to in a minute, doing her job, but calling a special grand jury, a special grand jury to further investigate and collect evidence. You know what's going to happen? She's going to indict him if she does in 2024 or late 2023 and he's not going to be convicted in time and he's going to run for president and if he does get convicted once he's president he's going to pardon himself or they're going to say you can't indict a sitting president she's not going to do it in time and every other trump investigation across the country right now for some freaking reason is dragging their feet because no one has the political will to just go out and charge the guy with what we all know he did it's plain as day it's a smoking gun it's a smoking gun in Georgia. We have the audio. We know what he did, yet they won't move. Why? Because it's all a game. They don't care if he comes back into office and screws everything up again. They don't care. We have the evidence. They're not acting on it. Why not? Why not? How can we trust the social contract? How can we? How do they expect us to do it? Now, you guys know I'm speaking as a private citizen. But in my day-to-day life, no matter what I'm doing, I try to uphold the social contract. I do what's right. I do. I unbiasedly tackle my duties. I do what's right. I adhere to my responsibilities to this society and to my fellow citizens. Everybody should do it. But for some reason, they don't want to. They're too consumed because they've been told now for a generation that greed is good. That selfishness is okay. That your own beliefs can trample anybody else's beliefs so long as you have enough power and money to make it happen. So long as you're the loudest person in the room. That's a piss poor ideology. Piss poor ideology. And Rick's been going to the shooting range. Good for you. I have a gun too and I've been going. The social contract is being violated. Left and right. And you know how fragile the social contract is? I was thinking about this today, too. You go into a a subway train, for instance. You go into an event, a concert. You go into a comedy show, for instance. You go into anything where there's a lot of people gathering. There's an unspoken social contract that says... You're not going to just randomly attack somebody. You're not carrying, say, a deadly weapon and just pulling it out and indiscriminately start firing it at people, right? There's a social contract that says that. We all rely on it. It's, It's fragile. There's nothing really upholding it. The only thing upholding this social contract is subsequent post hoc action right if you violate the social contract and later after you already hurt everybody maybe take took lives already violated it already destroyed everybody's sense of security then we might prosecute you that's the only thing that upholds it 
So it's really just an agreement amongst ourselves as people that we have some inherent moral compass, some inherent altruism, some inherent species solidarity that we won't pull out a weapon or attack somebody randomly at one of these places. Yet more and more, we see these random attacks because more and more the social contract is eroding and more and more people are held less accountable for breaching the social contract. It starts with small breaches and it, it turns into large breaches and some are violent and some are systemic like the ones we talked about in the federal government. But nonetheless, the social contract continues to be breached and it continues to erode all of our sense of security. And you wonder why people are more isolated. You wonder why people are more depressed. You wonder why more people are so depressed and so unstable that they continue to breach the social contract. It's a systemic problem. And if you look at what just happened with Dave Chappelle, he was telling jokes. This is now the second time that a comedian, a performer on stage, has been openly attacked violently and assaulted in recent memory. And now CL saying... CBC, our, Rick, hold on, let me read this. The biggest problem is the overblown reactions from the left and center, fighting amongst ourselves over who's at fault. We know who's at fault. Good point, Rick. CLR, that's the problem with Trump. He didn't abide by the norms of the presidency. When they made some of these laws governing the presidency, they had no teeth in them. If they didn't think anybody would break them, Trump broke through all of them and nothing happened to him. See, that's, that's a good point. But I don't think it's because there's no teeth. I think it's because the people in the jobs that are supposed to have the teeth are outright refusing to carry out their duty, right? Impeachment is a tool that was provided for. Impeachment exists. Impeachment is a mechanism that could be used. All you needed was the same amount of people that criticized Trump after the impeachment proceedings to vote to impeach, and he'd be barred from the presidency. And an example would have been set that you can't act that way as a president. We have standards. But they refused to do their jobs because, again, they refused to uphold the social contract. That's part of their job, and they just outright refuse to do it. But Chappelle gets attacked on stage. Attacked. The guy had a gun with like a bayonet-type knife on it. A bayonet-type knife. We have a social contract that says you don't rush the stage and attack somebody with a bayonet-type knife on a gun in your possession and tackle him. But that was breached. And then you have people, district attorneys across this country, whose job it is to prosecute offenders, to, again, hold people accountable for their actions across this country. And we have people running for these offices and positions who are outright refusing to do their job and prosecute offenders. Now, if it was on the other foot, if the shoe was on the other foot and people were running for public defender or becoming public defenders and then refusing to defend people accused of crimes and refusing to do their jobs because they philosophically said everybody accused is crap and I'm not going to defend them, then the left would lose their minds, rightfully so. But when you run for district attorney and you refuse to prosecute, you're held as some kind of hero. Now, I'm not saying that district attorneys shouldn't be enlightened. I'm not saying that district attorneys shouldn't be more fair. I'm not saying that district attorneys shouldn't use their discretion to come up with the most just outcome. I'm all for that. District attorneys should be helping people as much as they can. 
But in L.A. County, where Chappelle got attacked, the district attorney is refusing to prosecute as a felony and has instead referred the matter to L.A. City Court to be prosecuted as misdemeanors. Now, I'll tell you one thing I know for sure. One thing I know for sure. If you attack somebody in New Jersey with a gun, with a bayonet fixed on it in your possession, and you tackle that person on stage, I tell you, I assure you, you're getting charged with ag assault, perhaps ag assault with a deadly weapon, depending on how you use the weapon, maybe pointing, possession of a weapon, possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose. Those things carry years of jail time prison time those are felonies i find it hard to believe that california is that much more lenient than new jersey on that i really find it hard to believe so the fact that the da refused to do that is crazy the siren makes a good point if the gun was fake that does change things if the gun was fake that changes things but if the gun was in his waistband i'm telling you in jersey they could go after the guy and they should. And yes, he has mental health issues. Everybody has mental health issues. But see, that's another thing that I find interesting. He has mental health issues. Fair enough. Everybody who attacks anybody almost in this country has some kind of mental health issues. When it's convenient to say it's mental health issues because we want to be more lenient, you use it. When it's not convenient and we want to make him out to be a terrorist or a racist or violent or whatever, then we don't talk about mental health. It's more hypocrisy. What do we always preach on this show? We always preach on this show that we have to stay consistent because if we don't stay consistent, we lose credibility. And the knife was real. Still a deadly weapon. Ag assault. Deadly weapon. Period. Deadly weapon. Possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose. All that. All that. Because the knife was no joke. So it's a deadly weapon. But when we start picking and choosing what we do based on our own little philosophies, we totally erode our trust in each other. You have to have some unbiased, impartial person in these positions. You're going to have your own personal beliefs. That's fine. But you're not supposed to act on your personal beliefs all the time. You're supposed to put your personal beliefs away so that people can rely and have faith in you. It seems like no matter where you look in this country today, our social contract is eroding. And we have less reason to have faith in each other and that's a sad 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 state of affairs it's such a sad state of affairs it's just it's just crazy and yeah, we do have a mental health problem in this country I think part of it's related to all the chaos that we have and the instability of our society. But we're not doing anything to help those people either. We just continue to march on like everything's fine. Like that dog and that meme where it's like, this is fine. And the fire's burning around them. We literally might have the woman's right to choose overturned in our lifetime. And you expect people to be confident in progress? And I'm somebody who always preaches that we've made progress in this country on race, on gender, all that. How can I have a leg to stand on saying that if the court's going to overturn a woman's right to choose in half the states in the country? Don't I lose some of my credibility with that argument? I'd say I do. I have to be honest. I lose some credibility. 
that makes Bell and his critical race theory and all that look more valid, doesn't it? Look more viable. You'd have to concede it to some extent. Yet we don't even know where to look because half the people don't even know why Roe is being overturned, what the mechanism was, what the case, how to change it, how to fight it, how to vote differently. Half the people I see on my timeline talking about men being terrible and women's right to choose were out full out Trump supporters. A couple months ago, they were holding Trump signs and Trump this and Trump that. Now, all of a sudden, they're screaming and yelling about a woman's right to choose. How dare you take it away? They don't even know what they're t- they don't even know how to how to engage in the political system. And whose fault is that? Is that all of our fault? Is it my fault? Is it your fault? Because we don't educate them enough? I don't think so. We try. They don't want to listen to us. Is it the education system's fault? Is it society's fault? Is it cable news's fault? Is it social media's fault? Is it the algorithm's fault? I don't know. It's, is it, what's, whose fault is it? Where do we turn? How do we handle it? What do we do? I have no idea. I have no idea. All I can do tonight is point out the problem and, and, and ride with all of you with some good music behind me and, and get to connect with all of you and vent our frustrations and have a dialogue. That's just step one. We've got to start coming up with solutions, guys. We're already engaging people. We're already listening to this show. We're already going out and talking to people. That's that's important stuff. That's important stuff. But another important thing that we have to do is figure out how best to tackle these things. I've tried starting different pages. I've tried starting different groups. Should we get people to run for office? Should we educate people? Should we find ways to educate them that they'll actually listen? I don't know. I don't know. But we've got to try to get there one way or another. It's not going to be in one lifetime. It's not going to be in one generation. It's not going to be in one week. It's not going to be in one episode of one podcast. But we can get there somehow. And it's important to sit back and take a breath right now. And in all our righteousness, and whether you're left, whether you're right, whether you're center, whatever your beliefs are, whatever you're pulling for, whatever you're hoping for policy-wise, it's important for all of us, I think, this week to take a deep breath and say, you know what? No matter what my beliefs are, no matter what I want to do, I have to acknowledge that there is a serious problem in this country and there is a serious erosion of the social contract. And it is happening no matter what side I'm on, no matter what I believe. It's happening from all angles and it's undermining my very ability to even uphold credibility in my beliefs with other people. Let's just acknowledge the problem. Like Billy Joel said in the song, we didn't start the fire. We didn't light it, but we're trying to fight it. (laughs) Just acknowledge that there's a fire out there that we didn't start. There's bad things going on that we didn't intend to happen. We'll get to fighting it. We'll get to dealing with it. But let's just take a moment to acknowledge that it exists and that it's a very serious problem and it's getting worse. Let's just take a moment to acknowledge that because when I look around at this world right now and this political climate and the things going on, all I can do is just admit that there's a serious problem. I'm not sure of the next step yet, but I know there's a serious and real problem and I want to deal with it. And I agree, vote locally. Vote locally is a good thing to do because the erosion of the social contract right now is terrible. Overturning Roe v. Wade, doing nothing about Trump. 
the way that we select Supreme Court justices with this politicized view, the way that we DAs run to try to tear down the DA. It's, 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 we need to do better. We need to focus better. We're way out of sorts. Way out of sorts right now with what's going on. And we truly, truly need to find our way. But the first step to finding our way, first step to that, is to acknowledge that there's a problem. Acknowledge that there's an erosion of this contract. Take a deep breath and realize we didn't start it. Collect ourselves collectively and start to think of ways to change it, to fight it, to do better. That's all we can do. And so that's what I'm asking you to do this week. And that's what I'm asking you to do tonight. Just take a deep breath, look around you and acknowledge the problem and acknowledge that a lot of it boils down to boils down to an erosion of the social contract and that we all need to do better in upholding consistency and upholding our obligations to our fellow citizens in this society to do better. I see there's some fighting about the abortions in there. Look, I don't, I think it should be upheld. No question. I don't think it's fair. I think it's also an equal protection problem that certain states it's legal, certain states it's not. And then I don't know if you've heard, but Texas and Oklahoma, they're also allowing you to report and sue people and criminally prosecute people who assist women with leaving the state to obtain an abortion. So if you're a doctor in another state and you help a woman get an abortion or you live in that state, you drive a woman to get an abortion in a neighboring state, somebody can sue you civilly in the home state for doing that. So to act like this doesn't have tentacles that stretch beyond state lines is BS. What's next? Is Texas going to get? And by the way, if you know anything about territorial jurisdiction or subject subject matter jurisdiction in states, states have long arm statutes which allow for the uh, to domicile a lawsuit in the state, even if it occurred elsewhere, and also to prosecute crime within a state, even if the person who committed the crime never set foot in the state, so long as it had an impact in the state. Who's to say that? Texas can't give a right of a cause of action for Texans to sue people in neighboring states for having abortions. They've already gone way outside the bounds of anything, you know, understand comprehensible in their nonsensical right private rights of action to sue people for getting abortions in Texas. Who's to say they can't work into their long arm statutes in their state, something that enables them to have a private cause of action against people out of state? You really don't know. That's another problematic case the Supreme Court freaking upheld in Texas. This Supreme Court is a is a is a real problem. If they're going to keep our acting like partisan hacks, we have a real problem on our hands because how can you check in you you earn respect. You don't earn respect by just slapping the face of stare decisis. That's not how you uphold legitimacy. And it's insane that these people Roberts gets it. But these other these other five, they don't get it. They don't care about legitimacy. They can't. Their brains don't work that well. They can't think outside the box any further. And this is just me speaking as a private citizen. But geez, just man to man, you don't get it. Come on, come on, come on. Now I'm going to take a few calls. I'm not going to stay on too late. I got uh, sauce on the stove here. I'm, I'm tired. I had a long week. What else is new? I always have long weeks. <laughs> I always have long weeks. 
But if anybody wants to call for a little two, you know, two cents, I'm going to keep, you know, give a couple minutes each. I'm not going to go crazy, you know, long conversations. But if anybody wants to call up and give their two cents on the conversation, I do welcome it tonight because we're all in this together. We're all acknowledging what's going on. We're all dealing with the problem. So, you know, feel free to chime in if you want. If not, no big deal either. I mean, I said a hell of a lot of peace for all of us, I think. <laughs> Silver lining is the GOP are screwing themselves. Oh, that's one thing I did want to say, Rick. Good point. I do think I didn't even touch on this. Let me touch on this real quick. I did want to say that, interestingly, the leak with the road decision, I think, is going to galvanize the Democrats in the midterms. I think the Democrats were pretty much completely done for and Democrats were completely screwed going into the midterms. And I actually think that this can galvanize them. If this election becomes about abortion rights, so many moderates, just like the moderates came out for Biden against Trump, a lot of moderates, a lot of women in the suburbs, people like that are going to pay attention to the midterms when they wouldn't have already before. And don't get it twisted. Republican, conservative, anti-choice, anti-abortion people already vote in most of the midterms. But especially when Democrats are in power. But don't get it twisted. If abortion is about to be struck down, you best believe if abortion becomes the main issue in the election that moderate suburbanites and liberal progressive voters are going to come out to vote. And I think that could be a huge benefit to Democrats in the midterms. A lot of these swing congressional districts that you thought were a lost cause were definitely going to Republicans. A lot of them might come out for the Democrats. These Senate races, even more so, these statewide Senate races that you thought might tip for the Republicans because of inflation and some of the economic issues and, and some of Biden's missteps, all of a sudden might swing back to competitive or pro-Democrat because of abortion. So don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I really think that the abortion argument could benefit Democrats in the midterms. And CLR says he's hoping this kills the GOP. It very may, it very may, very well may kill the GOP. It remains to be seen, but it very well may hurt the GOP very badly. I'm actually expecting it to hurt the GOP quite badly. I don't think this is going to go well for them at all, quite frankly. But that's another angle to look at. It's it's again, it's a shallow angle that you don't really, you know, deal with. You know, you don't you want to talk about elections because I'm always railing against just looking at the electoral, you know, results of something. But you know, this could benefit Democrats electorally. And Paige is saying, I would love that, but I don't think so. The people who voted for Trump knew he wanted Roe overturned. Yeah, I agree with that. But what about all the people that voted against Trump? I'm more looking at, if you look at the election, if you look at 2020, the election, most people in the middle came out against Trump because he was too extreme. Those people in the midterms, I'm almost positive, a lot of them were looking to go back to Republicans because they don't like the way the economy is handled. They're sick of inflation, all this other stuff. They might swing back to Republicans. But those same moderates, those same moderates who voted for Biden, they might be galvanized to come out again with the Roe decision because, again, it's this conservative religious extremism that they don't really get down with. 
they might have sat out the midterms or voted Republican because of the economy. But I think they may come back out just like they did in 2020 to vote against this Roe v. Wade decision is my point. I just think that that could happen. Because remember, Trump lost the the last one and and he lost it because of a lot of moderates in the suburbs. And I think those same moderates were going to sit out or vote Republican. They may well come out now and vote against Republicans because of this decision. So you never know. And I also think some people who voted for Trump didn't know. I think they really were naive enough to think that Roe would not be overturned. I've talked to some of them. Some of these people really thought that they could vote for Trump and it wouldn't affect Roe. This might wake some of them up. I don't think a lot of them, but it might wake some of them. So you never know how this is going to affect elections going forward, but it's interesting. And Siren Rick are going back and forth. Siren over here says, nobody blames men. Men should absolutely be a part of the conversation, but not dictating it. There is a difference. I agree with that. And Paige says it's scary that they didn't know because he came out right out and said it. But it is scary, but it's true. It shouldn't surprise you because it's true. Like, trust me, I know people personally who voted for Trump and they were not worried about Roe being overturned. They're pro-choice because they just assume that no matter what he said, it was settled law and it wouldn't be overturned. They're living in la-la land, but they really think that. Sad as it is, and I agree, it is scary and sad, but I think everything, everything is scary and sad right now. Crazy as hell. It is terrifying. Maybe this, like, they need to see reality before they believe it. It's It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. This is the world we're living in. We're living in a world where Roe really might be overturned. That's that's scary in and of itself. It's insane. And they're Trump people, CLR says. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, God. Oh, God. Paige says when we're going to talk about plastic bag ban. We did ban plastic bags in New Jersey, just so everybody knows. Um, yeah, I get it because plastic's polluting and it's a pollutant. All that, but listen, the other there's another 47 states that still have plastic bags. Somebody messaged me on a little parody I did about plastic bags. And they were like, oh, so we just should keep making plastic bags? I'm like, I mean, maybe not, but we're still making them anyway because all the other states still have them. And we still have plastic bottles and plastic tops. I mean, think about it. We put a plastic cap on a drink at McDonald's but put a paper straw in it. But it's still a plastic top. And then we have plastic knives and forks in the bag and a plastic container for our ketchup and then i got a bag today it's reusable so i guess it's reusable so it cuts down on pollution but it's still made of some kind of plastic so i don't really know and i'm not trying to knock i i mean incremental progress is good progress i get that but still i mean is it really gonna move the needle i think we like pat ourselves on the back too much for some of this stuff when really like you know it's not it's not moving the needle all that much. It's kind of kind of interesting. And I agree, the other states could follow, and that might change things too. You know, I get it. I, I'm not, like, against progress, but I just do think we have some absurdity. Like, we pat ourselves on the back for, like, the most isolated, non-impactful things. Meanwhile, the world's burning outside of us. Like, Roe might be overturned, but we ban plastic bags in Jersey. It's like... I was saying to somebody the other day, it was, it was Paige, I was saying like a joke. It was like, you know, Planet Earth like did real well because Jersey banned plastic bags. But as soon as they made that gain, they Planet Earth lost because then more babies, more unwanted babies are going to be born. And humans are the worst thing for the Earth. So with, with the abortion thing, so it's just kind of crazy. And Vree saw people walking out of Trader Joe's with their hands filled with stuff because they didn't bring a bag to buy a reusable one. 
while they were there. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy shit that's going on. It really is, Marie. RK, you're on the air. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's your thoughts on all these things going on? Hey, no, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the First Amendment and the whole hysteria from all sides surrounding this issue. Okay, the First Amendment. So what's up? So uh, it seems to me lately in the conversations I've been having that people believe that the First Amendment says freedom from religion, when in fact what it says is that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Right? Yes, very true. So the thing is, is that these religious people, as nutty as some of the extremists may be, and there's just as nutty people on the left, they're, it doesn't invalidate their opinion because they have religious beliefs. Right? They're entitled to those. They have the same rights as everyone else does to their opinion about why they do what they do or think what they think. Yes. So... I, I don't understand this idea, and I know, I, I mean, I, I like the CLR funding guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, he seemed to be pointing it all towards religion, and I find that to be sort of a correlation rather than causation, because this is really all about uh, keeping a voting base, and that's the whole reason that the Republicans, for instance, have supported Trump this whole time, because they know he had this huge base i mean 74 million votes that's a lot of people a lot of people yes so we can't just dismiss them and we can't just ridicule them and we can't blame them that their ideas are somehow biblically based rather than just an idea of the sanctity of life and like i said earlier i posted a comment about I am pro-choice. I have always been pro-choice and I always will be pro-choice, but we are not going to make any friends attacking people. And I know, I think, I don't know if it was Siren or Paige that said it's not men. Well, go through some Facebook posts because that's what everybody's saying, including, I think you brought up something about everybody saying, you know, well, men should just get fixed at boys until they're responsible enough to handle babies, right? Yes. And, and that's the problem, is that there are very legal ramifications and even social expectations of men that accidentally Im- impregnate a woman. And that yeah, is not being... Like, yeah, and, and I'm not... I, I want to get something straight. I'm not complaining about that. I accept yeah. it. I don't think it's somehow men are being oppressed. But the fact is, is that we men have... Two choices. If we impregnate somebody, the woman wants to keep the baby and then we're monetarily responsible or they don't want to keep the baby. And even if we do, we have no say in it. I don't find that to be actually a a fair, completely fair situation, but I accept it. Right. Well, let me and I agree with that with I I. I get the fair unfair thing. I do think though, once it's it becomes part of her body, it's like connected to her body. I get why she has the choice, and we don't. We should be smarter and not not get somebody pregnant, which I've I've managed thirty seven years not to. So you know, and I know you've only you know you haven't had too much trouble either. So I get it. Um, That's right. 
Um, I want to go back to the religion thing because I, I think I agree with you that everybody has a right. Like we don't have to ridic. I think the problem is, and I think I think you would agree is like. I don't have a problem if somebody is anti-abortion personally and they would never have an abortion or they would never want a family member to have an abortion or whatever because of their religious beliefs. I just don't want – just like I can't tell them they have to have an abortion, I don't want them telling me I can't have an abortion because their religious beliefs and moral beliefs might be different than mine. So I think people – yes, you're not free from religion, but like, yeah, you're free from being told that your beliefs – are dictated by somebody else. Like, like nobody should tell a Christian they have to have an abortion, but by the same token, nobody should tell an atheist they can't have an abortion. Yeah, you know, I no, I, I hear you. Uh, yeah. And you and I have had this discussion. I'm going to use another comparison. The free speech. I hate the fact that Nazis and the KKK can parade through our streets voicing their bullshit opinions about how they feel, but that's free speech, right? And I've come around on that in the idea that it's free speech. It's, it, I don't see a fundamental difference. I'm personally, I, I wouldn't choose abortion. I took steps to be responsible, including not having sex if there was no birth control. And I'm a man. I don't, I'm not even the one that gets pregnant. I, I just, it grates me a little bit to hear this, my body, my choice after the fact. Where was that my body, my choice before the fact? What do you mean before the fact? Meaning like these, these women act like every abortion, the 800 and something thousand abortions performed every year are acts of rape or ectopic pregnancies or some risk to the mother. And, and that's just not the case. Even if every single rape in a year resulted in a pregnancy, there would still be like 700,000 abortions above and beyond that. Well, I think, just to clarify that, I don't think they act like every abortion is based on rape or incest. I think they just point out the egregious nature of some of these laws where they don't even have exceptions for rape or incest. Like, and that just shows how egregious the anti-abortion people are. They don't even allow for they don't even allow in these laws for an exception to that, I think, is there. No. And I agree that 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 is absolutely wrong. And I have said as much and still and I see it happening right now <laughs> that, uh, again, disclaimer I am absolutely pro-choice and always have been. So I'm just talking about a certain level of, of accountability or take, take charge of yourself. I mean, I've turned down sex because there was no birth control and I'm a man and, and we're stupid and we'll do anything for sex, right? If I was the one that was going to get pregnant, I would have been twice as careful. So you're saying that, see, I mean, I don't know. I mean... They say pull out game strong. Mine is very strong. I mean, I never I, I, I don't. What about men that that are supposed to not take it to the to the end? And then they do. Is that the, the now the woman saddled with that pregnancy for nine months? Like, I, no, think, I, you're, I think you're both. No, I understand that. But that that is not the majority of what is happening with abortions. I mean, there's just too many of them. And and I think if some responsibility were taken and it was the, the numbers were significantly lessened and they can be obviously, as you said, with your own experience and I've said with my own experience, they can be precautions can be taken and choices are made way beforehand. It's not always a broken condom or my birth control didn't work or I was raped. That is the least of the cases out there and it's being 
thrown out like this is why this is why abortion is wrong and as if millions of women will die if abortion is made illegal and i don't want abortion to be illegal uh, again i'm pro-choice you know, i understand you're we're, we're engaging in intellectual exercise i understand that uh, I, I mean yeah see uh, and and this is the reaction right I, i'm a an advocate of pro-choice and i'm on everybody's side and i took my own precautions as a male to prevent this from happening and yet here it is women shouldn't be punished for their mistakes says clr i, I get that but men are men are punished for our mistakes and it's every bit as emotionally wrecking and financially wrecking to have to take you know 25 percent of your income to pay for a baby you didn't want right yeah I see. So you're looking at it not from a lens um, specific to women in a vacuum. You're talking about, look, men make mistakes. They're punished because it's all up to the woman. Woman makes a mistake and they don't have to if they choose not to have the pregnancy, they don't have to deal with it. Whereas a man has no say. So he's still strapped for 18 years with the mistake, whereas a woman is not strapped. So, you know, maybe there's something to be said for anti-abortion laws, which saddles them both with the mistake that they mutually made. That's what your point is. Yeah. And again, it's not a complaint. It's not a wham, poor white guys, poor me, poor anybody else. It's just a fact. It's a fact that there are laws in place that hold males accountable for unwanted pregnancies, whether they want it or not. And and that isn't addressed. Well, that's a big one. I didn't get. I don't. I haven't read that yet. But again, I'm not saying abortion should be overturned. I'm not advocating pro-life. I am not saying that what the Supreme Court's doing is okay, or that any of the usual suspect states who are going to overturn this are going to seize on this and make abortion illegal. I'm saying it's not the end of days. It's not. The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, there were a lot of other factors in that show, but all that's being pulled out is there were handmaids that were forced to have babies. And that that isn't the full truth of that story either. And CLR is saying, too, that he knows people in his own family that have left without without dealing with the obligations. It does happen. It does happen where the men can't yeah, afford it. Yeah, sure it does. Sure it does. But but what what kind of life is that choice for a man? He can no longer have a job that is any kind of registered job, tax paying, you know, uh, retirement fund, any sort of benefits, nothing. And he has to be on the run forever because as soon as they find him, they'll come for him and for his money, including back child support. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's some situations where they sign over the rights and they don't, um, yeah, and he's saying there's a whole class of people. He's CLR saying there's a whole class of people that don't care about it, don't have a job in the first place, don't have ambition, not going to pay. He is right. He's right. There's a whole bunch of people. It doesn't matter how many times you hit them with child support violations. They don't have any money anyway, and they have kids everywhere. I mean, we've seen that. But I, I think I want to hone in on something different too, which is, which is, you know, regardless of the fact that men are penalized and regardless of the fact that women can make the choice, isn't there something to be said for the fact that Regardless of all that, the woman has a cell multiplying in her uterus that's attached to her body for nine months. And even if you want to cabinet to the to the, the viability argument, like the first couple months, the first trimester, 
she's got it's her body like you may have impregnated her or whatever but like it's her body at that juncture it's attached to her it's growing in her and therefore doesn't she have more of a say in what happens to her body i i i have to say yes and if a man makes a mistake that's part of being a man you 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 got to deal with that now you either got to take care of her or, or convince her to get rid of it or whatever you want to do. But it's her body now, and it, it, there's no way around it. She's – and look, even if we pay child support, she's still the primary caregiver. We we can we can do these crazy liberal gender role you know, reversals if we want, but we all know the truth that primarily the woman's like the primary caregiver. She's got the milk that she generates. She she gives the birth. The, the baby is is literally living off what she consumes. It's living off what it's it's hurting off what she consumes. That's that's bad for her and the baby. Isn't it more her right because of because of the burden, the the unequal burden that she has to bear? Isn't it more her choice than a man? And doesn't that make some logical sense? Objective. Uh, no, I agree with that, and that's why I'm pro-choice. You know, it's not. This isn't a a judgment on women, but. Everything that I'm seeing suggests it's the male's fault and the male should get the burden and the male should take responsibility and the male should get a vasectomy. And But the, the reality remains is that when two people engage in sex, in most instances, in the majority of instances, it, it, it's a decision made by both of them. And somehow women don't have to take any my body, my choice at that point. Yeah, no, I agree. And I know you're pro-choice. I think I think I, I I think we agree on the whole like vasectomy memes and all that. I kind of addressed that earlier in the show. Like yeah. the meme logic gets rid of the complexity. I don't think anybody in this show now is saying that kind of stuff, but I agree with you that that, that kind of nonsensical outrage at just the male gender in, in total is is misplaced on like this this discussion. I don't know that anybody in this you know, on the show now or anybody that we're with kind of thinks that, but, but I agree that that's like a misplaced generalization and kind of not kind of missing the ball in the debate. I totally agree with that. No, I, again, pro-choice. I'm just saying that this, this is something that we all need to be together on, not separated. And the, the argument being that the predominant argument that I've seen anyway, is that, it is men trying to control women via the Supreme Court, via politics, via the law. It is men that are responsible for getting women pregnant. It is men that should have the vasectomy. And all I'm trying to, to bring across here is that we're all in this together. And unless we get together, we're never going to get there because this is – this to me is why Republicans win elections. Not aside from gerrymandering and all the other bullshit. It's because they all go, yeah, Donald Trump, he's kind of a douche, but I'm going to vote for him because he's Republican or, or whatever politician happens to be running. And meanwhile, the left and even the, the moderates, uh, let's call them independents for the sake of this argument are all getting turned off by this, men are at fault and men are this and men are that. And, and nobody's looking at statistics and nobody's looking at things like not that many people. And, and again, this isn't a justification because I'm pro-choice. Not that many people were dying after the, let's say, late 40s, early 50s because there were antibiotics and other things like that. 
involved. They act like millions of women will die. There's not even a million abortions every year. It's close, but it's not that high of a number. And it's not the end of the world, but we need to stick together instead of pointing fingers. And I've often used in discussions a metaphor about how we're all on this sinking ship, which is what you were saying about society, right? We're sinking and we can all stand around and we can point fingers at each other and go, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Or we can all pick up a fucking bucket and start bailing because that's the only way we're getting to a shore. Right? Yes. I understand what you're saying. I understand. I do it. You're saying stop making this like a gender war against men. Cause you're turning certain people off. Like who would otherwise be an ally. We're all in this together. We're all pro choice. Don't make it just about men. And I said that like Amy Coney Barrett is the deciding vote. Most the, anti-abortion people i've ever encountered in the street were these like older women like so yes. i get you're saying yeah, the debate itself is not like de- it's not delineated based on gender i think people on the other side would say yeah we just have a problem with like men at all kind of trying to regulate our uterus but i do i do hear your point in that like we are in this together we're all pro-choice and like trying to generalize it as a women versus men issue is missing the ball which i have said because there's so many women against choice and so many men for choice that it's not really a fight but it is women elect men too right but it is a gender fight because they're the only one whose rights is like affected in that that you know deep way like they're the ones who are going to lose the right to get an abortion so it's a touchy subject but i i do hear your point i do hear your point i do and rick by the way let me just say this is probably and i love you we talk all the time like off the air or whatever but on the air, this is one of your like most like pointed, concise, like just well, just like just very well delivered things ever. I just I just I just want to say it was just a very good conversation. And you you really because I know it's a sensitive subject. I think you purposely came like the way you did. And it was a very effective, I want to say. 100 percent. I learned it from watching you, man. Yeah, I respect that and appreciate that a lot, bro. A whole lot. I'm going to skip to my loo and go have some dinner now. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm getting off too, but it <laughs> was awesome, by the way, too. Like, it just – it helps move the needle on the conversation. I'm going to see if anybody else wants to chime in, and if not, we're going to turn it down. But this was a this was another great show. That's why I love doing this damn show, man. I love it. I love it. I love that you came on. Righteous. Thank you, man. All right. Rick, talk to you later, brother. Later. So Rick is all that was an awesome call by Rick, though. It was just interesting to have dialogue, you know, like and, and he I understood what he was saying. He's also pro-choice. Um, and it's just interesting to have those types of back and forth. This is what the show's about. We had a great another great dialogue tonight, honestly. Like we're all kind of we are all in this together. We are all seeing this erosion. We are all seeing all these issues. And yet, you know, we are we are also developing a method of debate. We're developing a method of conversation, a method of conveying our thoughts that we're learning from each other on the show. And we're all learning together how to do it more effectively. And then we're taking that out to a larger audience and a larger swath of the population, which is what this show is all about. CLR is calling. Let's see what he has to say. CLR, what's up? Are we in? Are we on? Yeah, you're on. Rockin'. Okay, so I kind of agree with what Rick had, Rick, had to say, Rick had to say. I mean, I understand that, you know, there's responsibility involved here. But the fact is, is that you can say responsibility all you want. It's just not going to happen. And it hasn't happened in the history of the world. It's not going to happen. So what? 
What do you mean by that? Oh, well, he was saying that, you know, you have to take responsibility and not and not have the kid in the first place and, you know, be responsible about birth control and stuff, and it would reduce the need to have the abortion. Well, well, duh, of course it does. But the fact is, is you're not going to get that message out to everybody. It's just not going to work. It didn't work before. It's not going to work now. So penalizing the woman to not being able to have that choice and forcing her to have a baby is just, it's not right. And I understand he's, he's pro-choice, which I get. And I understand the responsibility that the women and the man should both have. That makes perfectly sense. Makes perfect sense. But, you know, just to, to lay it off as that's what it should be and to be all end all, that's the wrong argument as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I get that. I think he gets that too. But it was, yeah, I get, I get it. Right. Like, they're not going to be responsible anyway, so you can't hold the woman accountable. She's got to deal with it. She's got to have the pregnancy. She's got to, you know, carry it to term. It's part of her body. I get all of that. Get yeah, all of that. It's crazy. That you know, you know, the the big problem is that that's what everybody's talking about is the is the lower income people that are going to get screwed. They're getting screwed as it is now. With what is it in Idaho? I think it's one one abortion clinic in the whole state. I think Louisiana has two. I mean, come on. Now they have to travel five, six, seven states over to try to get one. It's it's right. it's ridiculous. And like, and a lot of the concerns have been it's not going to stop there because they're gutting the law. At least everything I've read, they're gutting the law. The way they're saying it as it's not going to it's going to have a, a domino effect on other protections like gay marriage and interracial marriage and segregation as well. Because they're going to say that's not a human right or whatever it is they worded it, and they'll be able to back out of that as well. This well, Supreme Court is out of their mind. It's a big portion of the law is substantive due process, and if you start chipping away, you can chip away in other ways too. And They, they make the same argument with gay marriage. Like, oh, gay marriage is going to lead to, you know – Animal marriage and this marriage and that. We always say it's it's nonsense, but they, they say that, yet they, they don't want to hear the same argument when they do this. I mean, it's interesting. Right. It's pretty messy. I don't see how you can go back on a, on a fundamental right that we've had for decades and then act like it's not going to have effect on any other fundamental rights. You're right. Some people have already called for a ban on gay sex now because of this. Some Republicans. Yeah, yeah so, of course. And Justice scary. Thomas put out a statement that said that uh, it's the obligation of the court to review – Precedent. What are you talking about? First, would they go for their interviews? Oh no, precedent's precedent. We can't touch precedent now. Now they're saying, "Oh well, we should we should take a look at precedent all the time." What? What are you? Absolutely yeah, it's, unreal. Unreal. It's ridiculous. And they and they did say under oath that they were that it was settled law, and now they're going back. It's it's a disgrace. We all knew it, but they relied. On, that's why they're full of they're full of it. The Republicans in the Senate because they're like, oh, they said it was settled law. You knew damn well why you nominated them to get rid of settled law. So you're full of shit. Exactly, they're full of shit. Who I knew you can't be a senator and not know that. I knew that, and I have not really don't really pay that that much attention to politics more lately. But I knew that. Who doesn't? I mean, come on. That's like, you know, right after January 6th, Trump was that big part in every single bit of it. I could, you don't have to have an investigation. I could have told you that. Yes. Who didn't think he didn't have a big part in all of that stuff? Of course he did. Right. He knew everything. And then we have to do an investigation. And all this stuff is, oh, you're surprised about this and surprised about what do you mean? What are you surprised about? Yeah. If you didn't know that he had responsible for all this stuff, then you're, I don't know what the heck you're thinking. Yeah, no, Rick said that he, he asked me about perjury in the hearings. He's right. He did say that. He said he asked you or me or whoever. He said, is it isn't under oath? Aren't they supposed to be honest? He, he was right. That's where I got that from, too. He did say that. In, on yeah, Facebook. there's some talk about that coming up that they actually lied under oath that they're, you know, 
been, you know, this was, you know, but it's how many years ago that they did this? They're going to try to hold right. oh, my opinion changed or whatever. Yeah, or I looked at the analysis or what they yeah. gave like equivocating answers anyway. So it's hard to get around it, you know, just ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. Don't think it's ridiculous. Right. McConnell, there's a special place in hell for McConnell. Yeah. Well, with his hypocrisy, I mean, it's yes. pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And all these guys, they have, they're just, like you said, you made a good point. But they're, they're not interested in the betterment of the country at all. They're only nope. interested in their own power, their own well-being, and, and their own life. And that's it. Yep. I would probably no, say very high percentage. Good. I said it's a disgrace. It's true. There's not enough people in politics or in government that care about what's righteous. It's all about, especially federally, it's just about what's better for them to get reelected and what's better for them to make headway with their little you know, fiefdoms. It's terrible. Right. Exactly. They, they appeal to their lowest common denominator so they know that they can get reelected and they don't care about anything else. They don't care about what's right for the country. They don't. They don't even care what's right for their state. They don't even care. They only care about themselves. That's it. It's it's a disgrace. It's absolutely horrible. It is. I don't know if there's going to be a fundamental change. And the fact is, is that the uh, conservative right, uh, Christian right, or religious right, they really started uh, coming into power because of segregation. Abortion is a secondary target for them. They were really more about segregation is why they all started. Well, but, I know that. I said I noticed that they shifted. You know, yeah. once it wasn't fashionable to be racist anymore, they shifted to anti-gay and anti-abortion. Yeah. That's their new rallying cry. We all know it. I mean, you can—it's the same, like, you know, Southern evangelical movement. They just shifted their focus of who they hated. You know, who the enemy was. Yeah, and they raised money off of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those uh, those preachers and all those guys—they're millionaires, multi-millionaires, all of them. They're all full no, of shit too. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's a scary world. So at least we all acknowledge what we're facing, which is pretty rough. Pretty yeah, it's rough. Bad. It's bad. It's really bad what's going on. Uh, you know, and and I was watching. They have, there's a Republican strategist on there, and of course, the minute you start talking about, it, she switches to well, more pe- people are concerned about you know the economy and inflation and everything more so than Roe v. Wade. I'm like, of course, just brush it under the rug. And the RGO yeah, is more. More concerned about who did the leak than the actual leak itself, the decision. They don't want exactly. to talk about the decision. They want to talk about who leaked it. And I guarantee exactly. there's a good chance, I'm gonna say it now, that one of the one of the conservative justices um, clerks or somebody leaked it because they wanted to force them to play their hand. Because how is it that, gonna look for them if they change their mind? Yeah, I read that too, and I think it's definitely possible. Like definitely possible. possible. Rick says the South has always been the yeah, it's the same thing. We just had the same conflict since before we even became a country, and it's still we're still dealing with it. Basically, we're still yep. dealing with the same divide between the North and the South, figuratively, basically, through and throughout the, our and entire and the, the Midwest too. Yeah, yeah, especially Midwest like yeah, yeah, not not Midwest. Illinois so much in Michigan, but the other ones out there. No, like, Iowa, uh, Iowa, Ohio, you know those North Ohio. Dakota, South Dakota. You know, it's it's just yeah. nuts. It's nuts. It we got to get this guy from Louisiana on here. Yeah, get, we got to get him on. I, what, what I want to do with him is I want to set up an actual day, though. We'll plan his day, and he'll come on as the guest that day. Maybe the next – when I get back, I'm taking a trip next week, probably sometime in June. I'll set it up with him, and he'll come on as, like, a special guest, you know? Yeah, he's been down there for quite a while now, and he knows the, the pulse of what's going on down there, how it is, and good, 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 some good insights of what the actual feeling is down there. But I still yeah, think I the biggest problem with the anti-abortion thing is that the 
that lower class of people that can't afford to do the things like Rick was talking about, that's where the problem's going to be really exasperated. These women are going to have no choice whatsoever. And it's going to do, their lives are tough enough as it is. This is just going to destroy them totally. There's going to be a rise in, 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 uh, in suicides. There's going to be a rise in people trying to get illegal abortions. And like I said before, we are already almost double uh, the worst country in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, what's the, uh, industrialized what? world industrialized world as far as maternal uh, uh death rate goes so almost yeah. double yeah. and it's just, it's just going to get worse and that you know that how's that possible in the united states of america that pregnant women are dying at a double the higher rate than any other uh uh, uh a country in the world yes it's a disgrace it's a disgrace it's a, it's a disgrace why is that because there's there's bias as far as healthcare goes and this is just gonna it's just gonna be bad. It was bad in the fifties when women were trying to get legal abortions, it's gonna be bad now. No, you're right. You're right. No, it's bad. It's bad. And Rick says you know, almost seventy percent of suicides are white middle aged men. Yeah, we got we got issues. Like I said, I'm only talking about, you know, the the increase in those those women. I mean, it's bad enough as it is now. I mean, sure, not as a whole. That might not overtake the percentage of suicides. But it's it's you know it's bad enough as it is. Why should it? I don't know. The whole thing is just is just terrible, and uh, the whole thing with Trump is terrible. This whole right wing, basically, what he did is he made the right wing psychos fashionable and acceptable, and these other yes. loser congressmen and senators are just playing the fact to get elected, and they're just giving them more power, and it's ruining the country. No, I agree. It really is. It really truly is. It's bad. So we. We're all kind of dealing with it. We got to figure out a way forward. But at least tonight, we we acknowledge that that's what the hell's going on, and it's pretty damn bad. Well, the only thing pretty we damn- can hope for is that it r- rallies the the Democratic side to not to put these guys back in power and get the yeah. sixty per, sixty vote majority in the Senate to actually do something, because this is just ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. And just take you know, even, I don't even care if you get fifty three or fifty. Uh, what is it? Uh, fifty fifty three. Or fifty-two, and get cinema and mansion, so they don't—they don't give it. They don't mean we don't—they don't matter anymore. I would just love to say, "Oh, no, nah, we don't need you. You can do whatever the hell you want. Get the fuck out of here." Right. Hate those two. Happen. It could happen. It could happen. This is the cycle with the Roe v. Wade thing. We'll see. It's we'll, getting, see. It's get- we'll see. I mean, I remember the GOP did everything they could for voter suppression, so they're going to do whatever they can to let, let them vote. That's true too. And if they put the people in place to overturn the election in the states, that's going to be another problem. Even no, if we win, right. they may lose. You're right. That's a whole you're other right. conversation. Okay, dude. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens with that. But CLR, thanks for the call too. The passion's there. We're all we're all on the same page. Later, CLR. Yep. So CLR with a good call too. Guys, look. <laughs> obviously, the passion's there. Obviously, we know the problems at hand. We're gonna have to deal with them. It's not easy. It's not gonna be easy. We know what's going on. We know what's at stake. You know, we'll have plenty more conversations going forward about the things CLR brought up, the things Rick brought up, the things we talked about all night. And we have to tackle those problems. We have to tackle the voter suppression. We have to tackle the fact that the GOP has done what they've done. We have to tackle Trumpism because Trumpism has now created a whole new force. As CLR, CLR pointed out, Trumpism has made like right wing basic extremism, which is like economic populism with like social xenophobia kind of a, a a mixed bag that that fights together 
and it's crazy. It's just crazy. Um, but yeah, and Siren's going to write an opinion piece. Siren, if you write an opinion piece, I will post it on the Logic and Larry discussion board. Just because I'll post it on the Logic and Larry discussion board. Um, and and you could do it that way. Or I could even, uh, if you send me a video piece, I'll post it on the Logic and Larry discussion board. And we could do it that way too. Um, but that's that's fine. And get your thoughts together and put it out. And then look, I want the discussion board to be more active anyway. So if you post something on there and we get discussion going, I would absolutely love it. So I invite that. I'll publicly sponsor it and publicly share it because obviously you got something to say here. So do it that way. And, you know, tonight we had another great show, another robust show with all kinds of opinions and all kinds of things back and forth. And yeah, so let's, let's, let's go on a discussion board, take it to the discussion board. Let's, let's bring that thing to life. Let's take the momentum we have here to the discussion board and let's, let's talk about it. And then the next show siren, you call up and then let's like, you know, go continue whatever we're having on the discussion board further. So look, we, we, we had another great episode. I love being on with you guys. I absolutely love it. It's always productive. It's always a great conversation. It's always a good Friday night. And, uh, Siren, you know, shoot me that. Please shoot me. I know you can write quickly. Shoot it to me or just post it on the discussion board. Let's all interact on that. And until then, I love you guys, man. I'll be back in two weeks. It was another great show. I'm glad I got to spend this week and this night with you and in a week of tumultuous political news. But take what we've learned, take what we've talked about, take what we've gained, take our skills out to the populace, and let's make something good happen if we can in any way possible. Until two weeks from now, I will talk to you on the discussion board. I look forward to more conversation about these topics on there. You've been an excellent audience, a great interactive audience. This is what makes the show great is the calls and the comments. That's what makes the show go. Another great show. Glad to be on with all you guys. And I will talk to you very, very soon. Logic and Larry and the Logic and Larry podcast lives on. Larry K for tonight. Signing off. Enjoy your nights and stay smart. Stay engaging. Good night.